All right, hey everybody. We are back with another edition of Casey Music Talk. We are here today with a public school orchestra teacher, Cecily Mahan. How you doing? I'm good. How are you today? Good. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for coming. No problem. Yeah. Yeah. So, you, so you and I have met a couple times in this big circle of teachers here in town, and uh, but uh, tell tell us a little bit about. You know, before we get into the actual teaching stuff, t tell us a little bit about how you got started in the in the music. Well, well, Rob, I was three <laughs> years old, mm. and uh, my brother played clarinet, and um, I had his book. My mom said, "Well, honey, you can't have that until you know how to read that music." And I looked at her and said, "Well, gosh, that's an A and that's a G," and she's like, "Okay." Um, so they put me in piano lessons at five wow. and violin at six, and I never looked back. Yeah, wow. Lots of recitals, um, private lessons in both piano and violin all mm. the way through high school. So that's how I got into it. Wow, so you were like schooling people at three years old, right? I was. <laughs> I was like, you know, I can't teach much else, but I know a little bit about music. Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah. So, so you get, and this has been a theme with like literally everybody I've had on the show is that they all had music in the home, every single one of them that are gigging now or teaching now. I mean, it's it, like, there is something to that. My mom would work with me mm -hmm. um, every night, like for two hours. I would mm -hmm. just play one violin and she'd play piano with me. And I look back and I think about the sacrifice that was of, of her giving her time every single night mm -hmm. um, to help me out. And, uh, you know, I'm forever grateful to my mom for doing that. Mm -hmm. you know, she really cared enough about it to nurture it. And we didn't have much money. I had a loaned violin mm -hmm. from the elementary school. Mm -hmm. um, it was a piece of crap. And, um, <laughs> you know, I just I worked really hard at it. Mom and Dad sacrificed um, the money they had to get me lessons. And uh, it meant a lot to them. And so it meant a lot to me, too. That's great, yeah. I know um, when I started Suzuki really young, I mean, they were... They were intense about that you know they're like no you're your parent you're going to have your own instrument you're going to be in the lessons you're going to be assistant teacher at home you know i mean you're going to play those cds over and over you're going to you know and she she did a fabulous job my mom of you know for whole first year with their violin and we're you know a literal three-part team here not two-part three-part you know and and i was going to talk about this later but what uh, what has been your kind of opinion about uh, parental, you know, parental involvement in regards to your, your teaching, you know, like, well, you, you either are in an area where parents have the time to be involved, mm -hmm. or you're in an area where the parents are working two and three jobs and just trying to put a meal on the table. Mm -hmm. But one thing I've noticed throughout the whole kit and caboodle is that every parent really does care. And it's not necessarily where they just, they don't have the time to give their kid to sit down mm -hmm. and do homework. I think they all start off with really good intentions. Yeah. And they want to be a good parent. But a lot of times life gets in the way and they've got to make sure that, you know, Johnny gets his braces and all this other yeah. stuff. So overall, my parent involvement's really good. And if I call them and say, hey, I have a problem. I need your help with this or whatever. Most of the parents will say, what can I do? Yeah. Yeah. Even the ones that are super busy. Yeah, definitely. And that, that, that is a good thing to keep, always remember. Because I, I, being a private teacher, I see my parents like all the time. You know, right. every single lesson I see them. And you're in a little bit different situation where you see them at the, at the teacher conference and then maybe a concert, and that, you know. And I, I think that's a good piece of advice for myself to always remember is that it it always feels like, you know, they're not doing enough or whatever, but you know, I'm not, I'm not seeing the whole story. Right. You know, of their lives, of the random races, like you said. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, or they blow a tire and they need a new tire. I mean, any of that can set a family right. completely yeah. you know, destitute. <laughs> yeah, sure. I've been there. <laughs> oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. And having the, and it's just for myself, it's easy to be so intense with whatever this is doing the lesson and, and trying to 
trying to realize that this isn't nine eleven right now. You know, I mean, this is this is a music lesson, and that you know, this tire is more important than this lesson right now. So just kind of calm down. Right. You always have next week. Yeah, you know, and that's a good piece of advice for me because I get really in, intense with it and want it, you know, the lessons and the music to be not first priority, but high priority in their life. And sometimes it just can't be right. Right. Yeah. Um, so with your, uh, and you're at Olathe North, mm -hmm. is that right? Yeah. So Olathe North. Go Eagles. Yeah. <laughs> so how long have you been there? This will be my seventh year at okay. North. And I was in Shawnee Mission for 22 years. Yeah. Wow. Elementary and middle. Yeah. Cool. And yeah. now you're at high school, huh? Now I'm at the high school. Yeah. How has that been doing the younger, older? Um, at first, it was a challenge because mm -hmm. I went from teaching this is an F sharp to listening to the Elgar cello concerto mm -hmm. in the practice room next to me. Mm -hmm. um, and I called my friend. It's like, how do I teach this? Mm -hmm. You know, this is I don't know how to play cello this well. How do yeah. I teach this kid? And, and her advice was just give him opportunities. It's like, okay, mm -hmm. I will give him opportunities. And yeah. That's what. You know, I went on from there. It was great advice. Oh, yeah, definitely. I have a lot of trouble with the younger kids, especially the under fourth grade, which you guys wouldn't have a ton, you know, yeah. with orchestra starting in fourth or fifth or whatever. But I have a lot of trouble with the younger kids. That fourth grade and up, like, I, I feel very comfortable. I can Me joke too. with them. I can, you know. Um, yeah. But anything before that, their thinking is so concrete mm. um, that I don't relate to them as well. Yeah. Yeah, it takes a special person to be able to do that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, she always talks to me about that because she taught special ed 24 years, my mom. And she's like, yeah, it's the concrete abstract stuff. That's funny you said that because she's like, man, you say sit down to an autistic kid, for example. Well, where? Sit down over there, sit down over here, sit down in the sit chair. Down, like, right there. Yeah, <laughs> and, the and so that, like, the, she was talking to me about little little things like that that we all take for granted. Well, that's actually an abstract concept. And... Uh, and so, like, so was there anything that was, was there anything that was easier about the younger or easier about the older or? Well, I loved fourth grade <laughs> because, I mean, when Beanie Babies was a craze, God, I made the teacher so mad. Um, I would have them, if they practiced for a week, they could bring their Beanie Baby and put it up on the piano and play to their Beanie Baby in class. And of course, the teachers are like, messing up our classes. You're making a distraction. Blah, 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 blah. It's like, but it was such a, it was a great concept. I mean, they would have done anything to bring their beanie baby to class. Right. And it wasn't candy, you know. I wasn't mm -hmm. giving them cavities. And it's like, you know, what can I do? You, know, you got to have that teacher support. And I always felt like in the in the elementary school where I was in Shawnee Mission, it was hard to get because um, we were pullout classes. And um, I wish that I wish that that administration had been you know a little bit more supportive of that. Mm. But I mean, there's going to be teachers in that in in that situation, and um, the the more you can get along with those classroom teachers, the better. You know, mm. bring them some coffee mm. in the morning. Um, you know, not to brown nose them, but just let them know that you know. You're we're on the same friend. team. We're on yeah. the same team. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, if they could do that, that would help a lot. Oh, yeah. But pulling kids out, you know, that, that's always a tough thing. Mm -hmm. But we need to do that in order to have our programs. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and we haven't talked about administrators at all or the other teachers dealing with that on, on the show yet. So, I mm -hmm. mean, that's an interesting topic because that happens a lot, right? I mean, like every week you've got to deal with something of... Yeah. Uh, May, another one that I thought of is we had a really good relationship because I was with Mary Lou right at Shawnee Mission for and she had a great uh, relationship with Steve Adams you know with the, mm -hmm. the band teacher so br taking his kids out for the full orchestra you know the band and just little things like that about being really nice to them and, and trying to work with them is and, and not necessarily just you know brownism like I said mm -hmm. but just work with them yeah you know, um, let them know that you understand, like, uh, my band director and I, you know, um, he's got camp going on this week, and um, I brought him something to drink, you know, and he comes mm. in and goes, hey, can my, can my kids come in here? I don't know, I was writing music. Oh, no problem, you know, we'll find somewhere else. That kind of camaraderie yeah. is, like, so important. Right. 
And you and you guys know you know exactly what they're doing too. I mean, you're you're all in the same. You guys, especially with the band directors. I mean, you're you're all literally in the same boat. I mean, you do the exact same thing basically. So I mean, there's no there's no reason there's no reason for other people to be pissy, right? I mean, right. It, like we're all we're all doing this yeah. together. Like, calm down. You know, it's like. Uh, and I know there'll be teachers out there that will be in the situation where they have to schedule their own classes in the elementary school mm-hmm. and talk with the principals, and that's always such a hard issue because the principals don't want them to be taken out of math or science right, or whatever. Right. And so they're going to have to um, be able to work with that principal and come up with a really good solution. Right. If you have a really good administrator, then you're going to be all right. But if you have an administrator that is more core-heavy and not... Um, Specials, liberal arts kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah heavy. Yeah. Uh, you're going to have issues, and so you're right. going to have to be able to work with that administrator. Right. It, it can be really tough. Oh, sure. One of my other uh, friends uh, um, worked in KCK doing public school orchestra, and she talked about her supervisor of the all the string teachers and dealing with her as well with scheduling and, and just being trying to work with them, and then them trying to, that her administrator working with the principal as well and you have this like seven part team sort of going on and it's just you know dealing with all the personalities and egos can be kind of crazy sometimes yeah um if you can get into a school district where i am now um the head administrator for fine arts does all of the scheduling Mm -hmm. so you're not put in that position where you have to figure out schedules and you know, you just have a camaraderie with the teachers. Right. That's really cool. Oh, yeah. Um, so you mentioned the Beanie Baby thing, and I thought that was really fascinating. And that's that's one thing I wanted to talk about with you is the... So that's been a struggle of mine is to think... So my mom's been trying to tell me, she's like, man, if you put these little... Like I saw this on a YouTube. If you put these little monkeys on the stand and then you do the thing and you take away the monkey and then you do the... The kids go nuts. Like, they love that stupid crap, you know? And, like, that seems so dumb to me. The Beanie Baby thing seems silly to me. But to them, it's not, mm-hmm. right? They still remember that. Yeah. I have students in their 30s or 20s or whatever. It's like, you remember when we could bring our Beanie Babies? Yeah. It's like, yeah, I guess. Yeah. Do you remember the F sharps I was teaching you? Well, <laughs> well, kind of, you no, know, like no. yeah. And so, they like, remember that stuff. Yeah. So, so that's like, so my big thing has been like motivation, or my my big struggle in the last, you know, since I've started teaching is try to figure out how to get my get them to to motivate the students a little better. And with the little kids, I finally finally come around to at least emotionally accepting that kind of stuff and realize I'm going to have to do these little feels like little stupid games with them and stupid stuff. But to that, to this first grader, I mean, they go crazy over that. And like, did you, did you ever struggle with like having to accept that? Or was that kind of just always a thing that you kind of understood that you're going to have to do stuff like that? I've always had a really good rapport with other people. Mm -hmm. Um, And the kids, the first thing that you have to do, and this doesn't matter what age package they're mm-hmm. in, um, you have to be able to talk with them. Mm-hmm. You know, so just look at them in the eye and say, "Hey, how was your baseball game yesterday? You know, did you guys win? Or, yeah, yeah. You know, did you get to steal home? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and if you talk to them about their everyday life, they're gonna connect with you. Mm-hmm. Um, you let them know that you care about them, you know. It's like, man, I'm sorry, you know, you got this cut on your finger. Gosh, that must really hurt, you know. Yeah. Um, and not be afraid just to kind of personalize with them a little mm-hmm. bit. And then uh, then you can start from there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, and like, I noticed that sort of, I'm probably always way too much in my own head, but I was kind of thinking out, like with improv, for example, there's always this wall that they, that of being scared, and I, w- I was kind of feeling the same thing that you were just talking about, where I realized that if I get them through that wall, it's over. You know, then 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 they're they're with me, and I can do anything they want. But I've got to get through the wall first, and maybe that's something they have that, to feel safe. Yeah, yeah. And Students, people, they have to feel safe to be themselves mm-hmm. and to make a mistake. Yeah. Um, 
just, and that's why they won't go through the wall is because they're worried about making the mistake. But may, but that's so you think that's like num that's sort of number one. It is right? number one. Yeah. Wow. I just came last weekend from a funeral of a former student. She was twenty two years old. Wow. Um. I think she was afraid to make mistakes, and um. One thing that I like to teach and, and have in my teaching is that it's okay. The world will not end mm -hmm. if it doesn't come out right. Yeah. And the other thing is to give um, perimeters. So like, if I'm doing jazz improvisation, then I will give them like, okay, you have three notes that you can play. Mm -hmm. You can play them in any order or any rhythm that you want to. Right. You are forbidden to play four notes. <laughs> you can only do three. Right. And that gives them a safety net. Yeah. And so, like, if they if they fall off of the safety net, it's like, yay, you did a great job. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's okay. It's no yeah, right. big deal. Um, but that's the first thing is that kids need to learn how to persevere, and they need to know how to be safe. Mm -hmm. And if they can do that, then they'll do anything. Mm -hmm. yeah, then they'll, they'll sort of... I, with that that idea I try to do that kind of thing where I give them parameters too when I'm doing improv and it's a really good idea the basketball analogy is your pivot foot like you have this you have this solid ground of I know what I'm supposed to be doing I have these three notes but then you you know then right. then, then you're doing the improv risk-taking kind of thing and but, right. but you have this solid uh, um, the solid foundation of something instead of just throwing them off the cliff, you know, going, yeah. you know. Okay, here's a G7, improv something. Uh, yeah, and they're just like, like what do I do? What yeah. do I do? You That's know? when the wall comes up, you know, mm -hmm. yeah. And so, like, so w with this idea of, like, motivation is probably for myself just kind of self-analyzing, I'm... I'm really, really into this stuff. I've been playing since three years old. I, all I do all day is music. I mean, I, write, I listen to it. I write music. I, I play bands. I go teach. I get, you know. And so I'm really into this. And so when I get into the lessons, the thing that drives me nuts is when they're just, they, when they don't care. You know, I can listen to myself. I can listen to Screeching Ease all day if, they, if they're, like, trying and stuff. And, and so when I'm thinking about the motivation, I, I was trying to, like, mom and I were trying to come up with some like a list of things that that of how you would motivate a kid and some of the stuff that we came up with was one of the games that's you know um, another one is like an external force like a concert or something to have like not you're just practicing in the wind for some reason right. <laughs> you know you have this like actual tangible goal that you're sitting if they're going to perform for somebody they're likely then, to yeah, practice yeah or yeah. even the week before then they go oh crap i have a concert and then they get it finally mm -hmm. get in the practice the room. more they perform the more they practice yes yeah and that so that's one um definitely like parental motivation of their of you're in the lesson and you finally you know you're at that moment where the parents over here and you're triangulating on them. Hey, man, he did a really good job today. And they're like, oh, you know, the students all like glad that you're like caring about them to the parent. And there's kind of the parent thing. Other kids, you know, can be, uh, oh, I want to be first chair. Or that, you know, that little mild competition thing. Uh, music choices, you know, playing really crappy songs can, can be annoying sometimes. Or staying on the same song for too long. Yes. Yeah. If you don't get the concept, just move on. Yeah. Mm. That's, yeah, that's interesting. And so, and then the last one that I've found out that I know all of us adults understand is that what makes us keep going is when we feel like that we're actually doing something good, that internal stuff happening is validation the validation even of yourself that you know that like I know I can feel this when they get to like Bach double kind of and they're like man I can play like this two-page song and I'm like ripping through I mean I'm doing something now you can fit and they can feel it so so I'm listing out all of these things you know and I'm going through and I'm like I'm setting up recitals I'm trying to take them through like Suzuki books and stuff that's not horrible literature. I'm talking to the parents, I'm da da da, and I list out all those things, and I'm like, why, why is it still so hard? Why, why are we still, why am I still struggling with some students? And with myself, I tend to either get them for like a month 
or like three years, you know, it's, I don't know if my personality is kind of with me or against, you know, I don't know if I come off that way, but do you, so here's the question now, and this is more of even like a, a philosophical question is that, are there some kids that you've just got to kind of move on? Yes. And, and the answer is that you just do your very best. You know, you try to connect. Connection is a huge deal. Mm -hmm. And then also, with little kids, it's extrinsic motivation. Mm -hmm. And then with the older kids, it's intrinsic motivation. Yeah, yeah. I can't pronounce it. No, no, yeah, yeah. But it's like you have to get them from wanting to do it for an outside reason to wanting to do it for an inside reason. Mm -hmm. And that's when you try to make the connection between music and who they are. So if you can make it meaningful for them, you know, um, that helps a lot. Yeah, that's that's interesting because I think maybe maybe you're hitting on it because I think I'm maybe trying to treat the third graders like the 11th grader where I'm, I'm coming all all internal and I'm like man you you know if you practice a lot and that's the problem with the fun and the work too because I, I know the real truth of that is that when you start doing the work you can now play the Bach double and you can play all these more fun songs that are way better than Twinkle you know and well that's the motivation I mean that that needs to end up being the motivation yeah, but I'm thing. treating them with the internal I'm expecting them to do the internal but they need the external maybe the other thing is with the little kids like the really little kids you only want to work on one thing right yeah you don't want to cloud their minds mm -hmm. with oh well yeah this hand wasn't right okay your bow hand's not right uh, okay you didn't play that in tune pick one yeah and then when they're successful oh my gosh you did it mm -hmm. you played that perfectly and then once you work on that for a while you can move on to the other stuff but you don't want one thing at a time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. They they are incapable of multitasking well. Mm -hmm. They have to have one goal, mm -hmm. and they need to achieve that goal, and then you can move on. Right. And it may be as easy as putting their thumb in the right spot. Right. Or holding their bow a certain way, or playing the F sharp totally on the tape. Yeah. Right. You know, it's like. You know, Don't do the other thumb while you're doing that thumb. It's one no. thing. Yeah, yeah. One thing at a time. Right. Yeah. That's that's a good point. And that was definitely a thing when I was a young teacher. I because that's the problem is that so much Suzuki and ear playing and in college and all this stuff. I mean, they play and I hear the six things like in four seconds. Absolutely. You know, you hear it all. And, like, and, oh, I need to correct this and this and this. Yeah, and, this yeah. and and I could list it out to them right now too. I mean, just blast on them. Okay, the F sharp here, the da da da, and that was a tough thing when I wanted to give them two, you know, I would do a little better of give them two, but I need, I've tried to do better at that rec recently, but that's a really good. And if they make a mistake, yeah. you know what, we'll, we'll get that at another time. Let's yeah. work on this. Yeah. That's, that's definitely a good point. Um, and like, so did you have, did, have you ever had a student that you tried tried to reach and then you finally were able to with this kind of motivation stuff or a student that you tried really hard and never could or do you, do you have any we all have students that we've yeah. tried really hard and never could yeah and um you have to remember it's not your fault mm. you know yeah. they they weren't either willing to learn or they had a situation at home where they were incapable of focusing on what you wanted them to focus on or they just didn't want to do it if you know, you and me, if we don't want to go do something, we don't do it. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, maybe mom and dad are making them take mm -hmm. lessons or be in orchestra, and they really would rather be on their phone to their friend. There's not much you can do to motivate them besides make that connection with them. Mm -hmm. That's the only way that you can get them to be motivated. At all. Right. If they want to do it for your relationship, like... You have a relationship with the kid. You get along with them really well. You know, you may have like a really tough kid. Um, say, hey, come on, buddy. You know, let, let's try this a little bit more. And right. You just go up to him and say, hey, is it possible for you to be able to do this today? Do I need to give you a safe place to go? You know, that mm. kind of thing. Mm. Um, but you can't expect to reach everybody. Mm -hmm. You can certainly try, 
and then you have the kids that, you know, they just kind of tread water for a while, then all of a sudden they get a spark, and it's like mm-hmm. something made them excited about playing. Mm-hmm. Could have been you, it could have been a video, it could have been anything. Mm-hmm. Um, but if, you're, if, if you approach it with a positive instead of a negative, you're more likely to get them. Mm-hmm. One thing a teacher said to me once is that you can get more flies with honey than vinegar. Mm-hmm. Right. And and she's right. Right. You know, I, I take what all these teachers have told me. It's like, you know what? Yeah, that's cool. And I'm not stubborn enough to think that my way is the best way. Mm-hmm. But I've had a lot of achievement. Yeah, yeah this, the, the honey, the and I've thought about that a lot too of this if you have like a spectrum of the makeup and the motivation you know and, and where on that do you want to be and, and like and you know I've been, I've been philosophically rolling that through my head a lot too and the older they are the more they can take the vinegar right yeah 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 but yeah. Uh, really young kids you don't want it's to, hard to do yeah. you don't want to say anything negative everything's positive mm. um and then, like, as they get older, middle school kids, they tend to internalize everything. Mm. And if you get onto them about their behavior, they think you don't like them. They, don't, mm. they cannot differentiate between, you know, I'm behaving badly and she doesn't like me. It, it goes hand in hand. Mm. So for everything that you say negative to a middle schooler, you have to say 10 things that are positive. Yeah, the 7 to 1, 10 to 1 thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've heard of, the, heard of that too, obviously. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's interesting and like and this is one that I hear out of my shows a lot is that I'll get up there I'm gonna turn on this light, hold on. It's gonna get dark. Um so at my shows this happens every other show probably somebody comes up oh I love the violin in fourth grade I and I can just finish the sentence and then I quit you know like you know like and so that's where I'm always coming back to again I'm thinking Why really broad I know and well you know what they're always going to say is I wish my mom and dad would have kept me playing I'm like you were a bastard like you were you know you were yelling at me to quit 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 and now and later in life now all you're mad that you quit you know and so that's you know again this is maybe a more of a political kind of topic where you know this this idea spans into everything is that how hard as a parent do you push? You know, it's a big, these are big questions I'm asking, you know, but like that, that's kind of the thing of where I'm at is that how much motivation do you need? And then how much do you go? Every kid needs to learn how to sweep. I don't really care if you like this or not. You need to know how to sweep a floor, et cetera, et cetera, with life, you know. That, that's like, when you, you, you know. devise a schedule. You stay mm. on your schedule every day, no matter what. Mm. I tell my kids, I say, you know, just go home. If you um, like to watch SpongeBob after school, take 15 minutes, one SpongeBob episode in practice instead of watching SpongeBob. Mm-hmm. Um, but if parents like, I, I always found it helpful in, in the high school kids, particularly yeah. like their junior year. Oh my God, junior is horrible. Junioritis. <laughs> oh my God, junior year is so bad. And to get them through there, if you make an actual schedule <coughs> so it doesn't seem so overwhelming. And so, like, you know, on Monday, I do this and this and this, and I get home from school, I practice for 20 minutes. That's it, just 20 minutes. Um, And then I go and do this and this and this. Mm. If you can make a schedule every day and adhere to that and make sure that you don't deviate from it, Mm. you're likely to be more successful. Sure. Um, It's the parents that have a different schedule every day, and there's chaos in the home because of that. Yeah. That the kids win when it comes to not wanting to practice. Oh, I don't want to practice. And pretty soon it's time for something else or they have to go to bed or whatever and mm-hmm. they get away with it. Yeah. So if you can just adhere to a really good schedule and just have natural consequences, you know, if you don't get a lot of da-da-da done today, then, you know, uh, we won't go out for ice cream on Friday. You yeah. know? So just have those natural consequences sure. and not be like, horrible about it saying maybe maybe you didn't do this and not and then just say oh you know what you didn't get that done so mm-hmm. no ice cream this week you know? right so yeah and that's interesting the the tone that you're taking with any kid that I've noticed that too um I won't mention his name but a friend of mine that I always hear him doing stuff like 
and they taught they taught us at WSU to give commands. You know, that, and that, that's kind of what you're doing is you're you're giving a command, but there's not an extra sarcasm BS with it. No, I'm so glad that you didn't go get your backpack like I asked you to. You know, now now you're just right. What you could say is go get your backpack. We're about ready to leave. You know, right. and that doesn't have any tone with it. That's just a command, and then you don't have this extra you're a piece of crap with it. Right. You know, like and. And, and that, you know, yeah. anything with a negative connotation with practice is going to make them feel and dread it. Mm. So if you can have any kind of a positive connotation with it, you know, or if they don't like for you to listen to them, mm-hmm. um, let them go practice in their room. You can still hear them. Yeah, they don't right. know that. But, you know, go let them do that so they feel more private about it. Yeah. Yeah, because I, I think some kids don't want to practice because they don't want brother or sister to make fun of them. Right. My brother... <laughs> I'd be practicing piano and his room was on top mm-hmm. and, and he would like bang on him shut the effing noise <laughs> and um now yeah, he went to our KMEA performance mm-hmm. and um he wrote me this great big text he goes I cannot tell you how proud I am of you mm-hmm. and da 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 um, and he was a hellion to you as a kid oh he was horrible what a turd he was he was terrible <laughs> Um, but you know, I think, you know, time will, will help that. Yeah. Yeah. You mentioned a a minute ago that this is kind of almost a therapy thing too, where you you can talk to somebody for a long time and then you you don't know when that thing is going to click. Like you were talking about the spark or whatever. Mm-hmm. See, this is probably where, again, where I always get into my own head too, too much, but like, See, I want to know when that spark happens. I want, I want to make that spark. You, you know, see it. you know what I mean. Like that's just emotionally what I'm trying to do is I'm it. trying to figure out how to, how to, uh, how to initiate that spark. There's but, a teacher in KCK. I had her in middle school, mm-hmm. and uh, she went on, um, and she became a music, uh, a uh, strings teacher. Mm-hmm. And she came up to me and she goes, you know the reason why I'm a strings teacher? And I said, no. She goes, because of you. Back in eighth grade when you would write out all those fun songs for us to play, she goes, that's what got me hooked. Wow. Did I know it at the time? No. Wow. Yeah. You know, so you never know. Mm -hmm. It just be kind all the time. Mm -hmm. And then one of these days, one of these kids are going to surprise you and say something like that. Yeah. I had one kid that came up to me. It was, and he had quit. You know, I'd only done a couple of a couple of lessons with him, a couple of months, and he came up to me and he was like, "Man, I took from you, and you know, and you were saying like the notes that go up are like higher." I was like, "Whoa!" You know, I'm, I'm like, "Dude, you." I'm like, "Well, I, I'm glad." I, I'm like, "No, I'm just meaning like you know." He, I'm like. You're, I'm like, well, I'm glad that I helped you with that, but you're, you're like a seventh grader and you didn't know that, you know, that, that's what I was, you know, I'm like, they well, don't I'm glad. Get it sometimes. They just, and I know there's, I said this the other day, but there's uh, Larry, the, or uh, Ron White has this joke about going through the, his, uh, the tire guy and he missed lug nut day, you know, that, that's the same kind of thing, you know, oh, so you missed like the notes go up day, you know, yeah, I guess you weren't listening, but, uh, but yeah, so I don't know that, that's some stuff that, so so with the idea of motivation, that, that leads me to my next question about, uh, so tell us a little bit about your uh, jazz group you got going on. All right. Um, one of my biggest things as a, as a strings teacher that I want to employ throughout my life is, is to have an eclectic kind of curriculum. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been in too many situations where I'm sitting next to a, a person in a symphony and they're given a chart that's either rock or jazz, and they play it so square, and they have no idea how to apply a bassy jazz style, mm-hmm. or you know, they just have no idea how to do the bowing or, nope. or articulation. And um, so, I thought, you know, one thing I can do um, is just start doing these extra groups that have like different playing styles. And whoever wants to do them will gravitate to those styles, and and I'm providing an excellent opportunity. So we have um, our normal classes during the day, and then I have a jazz ensemble that meets twice a week before school. Oh, okay, yeah. So it's not actually part of the school day curriculum, 
but it also gives those kids an extra place to, to go and play. Yeah. Um, so in our jazz group, you know, we do everything from, we started off with a combo style, because, um, you know, I only had like eight or ten kids, mm-hmm. and so I really couldn't do big band stuff or, or things right. that were more full. And then uh, this last year, we had 35 kids. Wow. You know, that would come twice a week. Wow. Seven o'clock before in the morning. Before school. Before school. Um, and these are kids that are taking AP classes and college now classes and I mean wow. they're tired um, but they come anyway and the reason why is because we're playing stuff that is with you know we have a, a kick-ass rhythm section mm-hmm. um, which I'm very grateful yeah. for and then you know just we're just playing tunes that they can really get into and enjoy mm-hmm. and then also we have the improvisation where they can learn how you know I teach them basic music theory and then like I, I'll show them like what a G7 mixolydian Mm -hmm. um, scale looks like you know and we talk about that and then like we'll go through and like play just like open g when it's a g7 and play open d when it's a d7 so that they can follow along with the chord changes and um but it's just turned out to be like a huge group yeah that's great (laughs) that's really really neat um i know that so i know mary lou was big onto the strolling string stuff and I was I mean I, I don't care if anybody knows that I was the king stroller I did every one of them I mean you know we had all these extra little go to the Marriott and play a little show you know and stuff but uh, that's a similar idea to this extra non because we played a lot of musical mm-hmm. songs you know from Greece and stuff like that you know were you in Rosin Dusters sure yeah, yeah. for a little bit <laughs> in the middle school group yeah yeah and, see I headed up the fiddlesticks group oh okay the cool yeah the... yeah that's neat yeah and and like so and I know that for myself I think one of the reasons why I just have a very different perspective on a lot of the other really hardcore classical people, you know, because I've just always been real. I, I've loved rock and jazz and, and funk and all this stuff, and I, I play in bands now, and that's mm-hmm. kind of my main thing. And the Strolling Strings was very similar to that, because I, I, I won't mention their name, but uh, um, but she, I remember Mary Lou talking about, well, this other teacher that we all knew, yeah, he's... He's not all about, we, we've had arguments about the strolling strings idea of that, you know, this isn't, uh, sort of, this is blasphemy, sort of, to teach them this non-classical stuff. You need to be doing the roots and da-da-da-da-da, you know, and like, and she just took a different perspective. Like, this is a really, and, and that's back to the motivating thing. Is it, is part of it a motivating thing for you of the non-classical specifically as being different kind of repertoire? It is, but mainly it's an educational thing where I want to provide them something totally different than Mm -hmm. what's um, in the norm Mm -hmm. for string players because there's so many outlets now for them Mm -hmm. to play. Um, And, you know, like with strolling, the the reason why I didn't go with strolling is because I felt like um, it doesn't have an improvisational factor to Mm -hmm. it, and I really like to have... Because it's more like um, a marching band where you learn your show, you do the same show yeah. um, throughout the year. And so, not to put down marching band. Cause yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I get lost on the field. I go the other way. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you go left, huh? <laughs> I mean, there, it, but getting out to the community and doing all that kind of stuff is so important. Oh, yeah. Um, and then one thing with strolling is like being able to connect with people and playing to people. Right. I mean, that that's like developing major leadership skills. Oh, sure. But I didn't go with that with um, the high school where I'm at now. Because I wanted to do, I wanted to give them a little bit more of the mm-hmm. music theory right. and the improvisational factor. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, and I also I don't know if you know this. I also have a mountain music group, and we meet uh, twice a week during the noon hour, mm. and it is open to anybody in the school that wants to come. We have guitar, hammer, dulcimer, mountain dulcimer, mm-hmm. banjo, fiddle, guitar. If you can play one chord, mm-hmm. you're in. Yeah. Wow. Um, and that in itself is also inviting people in to just have fun mm-hmm. and just, you know, and then my bass player is learning how to read changes and how to do passing tones and everything wow. just by looking at, oh, okay, it's a C major chord, I'm going to play C and G, you know, maybe, a, you know, another mm-hmm. note to go into this next key and, right. um, 
So I just think that's like really super important for people to have all of those different outlets. Mm-hmm. That's that's great. I, so th- with the, with the idea of doing that kind of music, the one one problem I think I'm having is that I'm kind of I'm kind of not taking my schooling in the sense that like I know at college, you know, they kind of wanted you to stay in this little area at least in the music department, not college in general. It's supposed to be kind of opening your mind, but they musically like my teacher at college, you know, we played classical and that's that's it and and so I know that when but but the but also the attention to detail and the excellence and all of that kind of stuff, I definitely had that ingrained in me. So when I go over and I do trying to, with my own students, trying to do this jazz stuff, I'm really hesitant to make them, to not make them do it perfect, you know? And and like have this idea that if we're gonna do this Nirvana song, but they're gonna be kind of wussy with it, I would argue that you know, every rocker in history is rolling over in his grave right now, you know, is that even though this is, even though maybe we realize that, like I said, that we're trying to grab these kids and get them more excited about music, so we're going to find anything, because we feel like we're losing them maybe with the classical music, so we add the rock music or the jazz groups or whatever, and, but I'm annoyed when I see them trying to do this, and then they're not doing correct bowings, like you were talking about with the symphony player, and so I'm wondering that, again, maybe this is why I'm too idealistic, you know, is that, is that I'm, I'm going like, man, if you want to know, if you want to get the, the real crap out of jazz, then you've got to do, you, you have to idealistically do it this way, you know, because you're not, you're not really getting what's, what's here, but is that the goal? You know, that, that's the problem for me, you know. There's the teacher that wants perfection, mm-hmm. and then there's the teacher that hey, quit just talking wants, about me. <laughs> <laughs> there's the teacher that just wants the kids to have fun. I know. I try to be a little bit of both. Mm-hmm. Um, I, the one thing I want my kids to know is that it doesn't have to be perfect. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be perfect, and they should be able to have fun while they play. And I think somewhere along the way, we've lost sight on what music is all about. It's about personal enjoyment. It's about making music with other people and being friends with other people. We're supposed to be team players and like do this together, you know, and make this wonderful music. You have to be able to accept your mistakes Mm -hmm. and you have to be able to grow on that, but at the same time, not dwell on them. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. so So I missed that F sharp, you know, I was just, you know, giving it some musical license, uh, you know, mm-hmm. um, but I think that's the biggest mistake that we make as educators, especially in Johnson County, because like our kids are so competitive mm-hmm. on everything, and we have yeah. to be dead solid perfect, and you know, we take them to contests, we're supposed to get straight ones, you know, um, I took my chamber kids last year we got like some really nice ratings and some really nice um scores and then there was part of me it's like well it's not perfect i didn't get perfect 80s you know right so i'm not going to get perfect 80s right yeah but i think you know we've ingrained ourselves to be absolutely perfect all the time and we have to let these kids especially the ones that are high flyers anyway you know, they've got to be perfect in everything they do. Give them a way to express themselves without being overly, you know, criticizing them. Mm-hmm. And that's okay, you mm-hmm. know. It's okay if you didn't quite get that riff, you know. We'll, we'll get right. it next time. And that's the problem that we that probably both of us have realized when you come into improv is that all these kids are in that mentality of it's good. Because... They have you know, to do it perfectly. Well, and, and I would argue that that to me is that because I see a huge difference between like the blues guys, like the blues scene in Kansas City. I, I know them pretty well now mm-hmm. and their mentality and the classical people are way different, you know, mm-hmm. just and, and so I would argue that even yourself, who is definitely in the classical world, I would argue that that's a classical thing. 
to ha want that because because as a as a like principle of the music almost is that classical is built in a world of perfection but some other people so like country music for example is not built in a world of perfection it's it's not the point of it it's a totally different point that's what i was talking about with the jazz thing is that you have to understand the point of this the point like with jazz for example your attitude is i'm too cool for this room right now you know that's kind of a thing in jazz where it's not cheesy ever you know like yeah, but classical music we can go there and it's fine but so like so and 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 one other thing that you said I, I i completely agree with that of the maybe let's try to steer away from the perfection i i agree with what you said uh something that i've been again pondering myself is that and the problem is for me is maybe realizing that i'm dealing with kids and not dealing with a symphony because when when i want anything like for example when i want to go watch sports i don't want to watch crappy sports i want to watch michael jordan go up against a magic giant you know i want to go listen to a symphony play this awesome we go to a concert because because it, it's our kids you know who chooses to go to a third grade orchestra concert nobody you know right. we go because our kids and we're supporting them but nobody goes to hear that what we always want is we want the awesome we want perfection, we want perfection. and so that's where i'm struggling with that of of because you're you're coming at it from a different way of how do we get to this point and I'm going well to get to this level of playing I'm not wrong you got to learn all this stuff but you're going a different route where you're going if I get them to love this then they'll come with me you know and I'm forcing them and to come with me if I get them me. to love this then they are going to work for yes and yeah for excellence you're right so I, I'm just, I know I'm just you know letting out you know my own personal stories here but because I'm I'm Part of the show is me trying to learn myself, you know, because there's stuff that you can obviously see I'm frustrated and annoyed. Um, with uh, la Last big thing I'll ask you is, like, and I've been asking every teacher this because it's one that's been absolutely driving me crazy, is that the kids that are in 19 activities, it is absolutely, I'm losing my mind. I cannot handle it. Like, the kids that are in soccer and taekwondo and sports and, and then music and like this is back to the again I know this whole time we've been talking about motivation but that's the time when when I'm sitting here and I'm realizing that a lot of times it's like a psychologist where it takes a teacher or a psychologist 5 seconds to figure out what the problem is oh this guy's angry hmm. <laughs> you know it's like you know you can like we were saying you can diagnose the diagnosis is not the issue for me I know it's not right. I can tell in 4 seconds what the problem is and most of the time it to me it has nothing to do with music it it has always like the the five things to me that's time management with the parent. It's not a music thing. Their parent and the student haven't sat down and going, "Hey, maybe I can't handle five freaking activities. Maybe we need to pick three. Or they just don't have very good discipline. Johnson yeah. County kids have mm -hmm. to outdo each other, mm -hmm. and so a lot of times they're in like all of this stuff because they. The parents want their kids to look good to other parents. Mm -hmm. and it's like, hey, so let's let's put Johnny in. Blah, 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 blah. And then what do they do? The other parents, oh well, my kids and da 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 da, and then they go it's off true. on their whole thing. But the thing is, with with all of that, sometimes the kids do it to themselves. Yeah. Because um, they they can't. And I think this is a society thing. It's hard for kids just to sit and do nothing now. Mm -hmm. They've got to be entertained constantly, and they've got to be busy constantly. Just to sit with a fishing pole and watch the bobber is just really hard mm -hmm. for a lot of kids. So, um, with that in mind, I think that the um, the answer is, you know, if if they can't handle it, then get them out of it. Mm. But if they can handle five different activities a night, you know. I don't know. I mean, I don't know what the answer is. Because some kids can. Some, some kids can, can handle a lot of stuff, and they, they deal with it. And they and look like they're handling it, and then later on in life, you figure out that they couldn't handle it. Yeah. Um, I had a kid came into lesson, and he just got done with, like, track or soccer. Or it was soccer, because that's more running than track is, and track is running. <laughs> you know, it's like, and, and he came in, and he just... Ugh, and and he wasn't joking. I could tell. I mean, he was absolutely exhausted. And they and we idiot, 
me and the parent were being idiots to schedule a lesson right after track practice and 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 that that's so that's where I go back to the idea of of the taking it home a little bit of, of the emotionally take it home where I'm sitting here and I'm going through my check sheet of code. Okay. I got my concerts and I got my, what am I doing wrong? And then, and so I, I'm sitting there, but now when I, when I realized that I had this happen with a student where the, the kid was, the parent said, I'm, my son does not have somebody in his life like you, like personality wise, somebody who's really passionate and artsy and I was so different from his stepdad and she's like, I'm so glad. And I was like, it really dawned on me. I'm like, oh, that's what this is for this kid for, in the mom's eyes. This mm -hmm. isn't about music. This is about a role model. This is about, or having somebody that the kid can actually like open up to because yeah. he doesn't open up to anybody. And that really opened my mind up. But if we're not gonna, tr if, if we realize that some of these kids aren't gonna be in New York Philharmonic, somebody who's three years old, some of them don't even get it, you know, I mean, that's the MBA, right? So if we're not doing that, well, why the hell are we sitting here? Why, why the hell are we doing these lessons? And the only thing I can come up with is all the non-musical things that we've all talked about, not making excuses, your role model, your, your hard discipline, leadership. leadership. And, but when I start realizing that, and then I start talking about that in lessons, now I feel like I'm life coach and this, this is totally changed. Now this isn't music lesson. And when I come to the parents and say, come down and have the come to Jesus meeting of, Hey, you know what? He's kind of in a lot of, you know, he's not really practicing. Now I'm like, I'm like screwing with their life right now. And mm -hmm. is that our job? I, you know, that's, you know, I don't know. I think like, as a public school teacher, it is my job mm -hmm. um, to be that role model, to be there for them. I have kids that just come in and talk about, you know, this and that has nothing mm -hmm. to do with music. I think that's part of being a music teacher in the high school, mm -hmm. public school. Um, and I'm glad that I'm there for them because some of them don't have anybody. Yeah. You know, it takes a village. I, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, you don't have to have an answer, but that's some yeah. stuff that I've been considering that has really been bothering me, and maybe it just annoys me when other teachers, and they're like, oh, I have 40 students and stuff, and then and then I'm like, I'm thinking like, how the hell does this guy have 40 students? I'm like, oh, well, he's coming in, and he's just nice. Oh, good job, Billy, all right, see you next week, you know, and, the, and then I'm sitting here, you know, losing sleep over trying to do it perfect or, or be the best teacher I can be and caring probably almost too much. I, I think that may be one of my problems is I just think I about know. it caring too much and trying too much and but uh, but I'm like, oh that's why you have forty students is because you're I'm actually trying to push my kid you know and try to and you're not pushing them. Oh you know, like not you but this other teacher, you know. I'm like that's why you have forty students is because you're just nice. You know well, I'm I like, think you the know. role of a public school teacher and a private school teacher or a private lesson teacher is totally different. Sure, sure. You know, I mean, yeah. they're paying you directly to be there, and, and you really have to be more business-like. You know? mm. But, um, yeah, I yeah. understand your dilemma. Yeah, so, um, well, yeah, we're probably uh, getting close to wrapping up. Was there anything that you could think of as a another, like, kind of thing that typical young teachers do that maybe one more big piece of advice that you'd give any younger teacher? Well, you, you want to expect everything you can out of a kid you know it's like if you expect them to not achieve very much they're not going to so it's like you know whatever you vision them as is what they're going to be but don't do it to the point where you don't give them a chance to make a mistake and um, be patient mm -hmm. you've got to be patient mm -hmm. Yeah, that's that's good. I, I definitely am trying to trying to learn that from <laughs> being patient. You, you, you little bastard. You know they're kids. Yeah, yeah. And middle school kids particularly, mm -hmm. um, they they're out of their minds. They have no idea what they're doing. Um, so, you know, just be patient, because they're gonna be stupid one minute and smart the next and. <laughs> Libby put out a thing that she found on uh, Libby uh, Fearharm, and uh, she put out this thing, and it was just 
a teacher it was so the teachers were the kids it was like facebook posts and so the teachers were sitting there and the kid was the teacher and so they and then the the kid goes so our concert is da, 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 and then one second later the the kid goes up and wait when's our concert again you know and you're just like oh my god you we know? have a test today yeah yes. like you're killing we me talked about this <laughs> but yeah i mean you just gotta be patient you just, like you, you said you, you have, have to you have know. a patient of a saint <laughs> yeah so so last last quick thing do you have a funny like concert story or a really funny uh kid story that, that okay was... so i had um a student and we had this concert and it was a fourth grade demonstration concert so we mm -hmm. had just learned how to sit properly and how to do our scale and um so i had this kid um that i, I noticed that he was kind of sitting toward the back of his chair and so i said okay because like I, I, I like to show the parents how fast they stand up you know mm -hmm. so I'm like, everybody stand up you know so and um, I noticed that he was sitting toward the back of his chair, so I moved his chair a little bit. And when he sat down, he missed his chair, and it was all my fault. And I did that right in front of the audience. Um, and his dad was very large, and, and I think he was a very important person, and, and he was not happy with me. Um, that's one. And the other thing that, that comes, um, I was teaching at an elementary school, and we had the school board mm. attending. Uh, we were in the library, and we were playing and everything. And I was showing, this again, a demonstration concert, and I was showing um, the audience how we've learned how to use hooked bows. And I looked at that school board, and I said, yeah, these sixth graders are really good hookers. Mm. It's like, why did I say and the sixth graders were like, oh my gosh. And you know, not one of the school board members said anything to me. <laughs> they knew it was a mistake. Yeah. <laughs> well, the seventh graders were, you know, they're all like cracking up, I'm sure. Oh my gosh, the so sixth graders are like, Miss Man, what are you doing that for? <laughs> so, I mean, I've got stories galore. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they, well, they, it te teaching can be really frustrating, but there's some days that it's absolutely awesome, right? I mean, you just, something funny happens, or the kid finally gets it, or like, I mean, how rewarding has it been for you? Well, KMEA was very rewarding, mm -hmm. because we were the first strings group to be at KMEA that was not a classically oriented oh, group. Oh, wow. Um, this was the first, you know, alternative yeah, wow. kind of, of style that had ever gone to KMEA. And we were in the jazz room. Yeah, um, that's right. And I bought them jazz fronts, you know? So, I mean, oh, they looked fun. like a regular jazz band. Yeah. And we had um, a standing room only. And um, stand, uh, we had standing ovation at the end. Mm -hmm. and, um, it was just so cool because that's one of my better moments. Because, yeah. you know, it, we, we showed that there's something other out, something else out there, you know? Mm -hmm. and, and a lot of teachers that came was like, "Wow, this is this is totally different," you know. Mm -hmm. So. Yeah, I, I think I think that stuff is awesome. I think it's a really good idea to get them into that. Like I said, I'm I'm frustrated with a lot of the old school classical teachers that are so straight laced that they would at least There's with genres. There's room for that. Uh, kids have to be classically trained. Right. I mean, you you have to be able to do that before you can teach them the alternative styles. Yeah. So. I agree with that 100%. It's it's really hard to teach improv when they don't know where their third finger goes. Absolutely. I mean, you've got to do the technique first. You've like, got to. Yeah. And that's okay. Mm -hmm. But you just need to make sure that there, you know, there's other avenues out there. And, and you don't have to just mm -hmm. do one. You know, you can band people do that all along. They've mm -hmm. been doing this all along. Mm -hmm. They've done jazz and everything else all along. Mm -hmm. Pep band, marching band, concert band. Mm-hmm. Why can't strings do that? We can, and that—that's. I think you were saying that um, is that there, there isn't really because I thought about this other day. We recreate. That's what we do in classical. We don't create. We recreate. It's what Beethoven, all Beethoven's crap and Brahms and all these people. But when you're moving into that, it's actually engaging their right, you know, 
right hemisphere you know oh, it's I mean, part of our core curriculum now yeah uh the creativity part and um jazz and actually the mountain music also taps into that sure where they can just make something up within a certain perimeter and it's like you know that that's creative mm-hmm. and that falls right into all of our standards now that we have in kansas um and around the country yeah yeah and you know teachers need to embrace that. I know that I was on the uh, curriculum council for mm-hmm. our district and you know we were coming up with all of these um, things um, that we that we needed the teachers to do for the creativity component of it and it was like you know for most teachers that's just so abstract to have them just make up something mm-hmm. you know it's just like we teach them this we teach them how to do a, a three octave scale, and this is how we do it. It's like, well, why don't you just make up a melody in that scale? You know, it's like, well, when do we have time for that? You make it. You, you make, make time yeah, yeah. for that, and and actually, it it accelerates the other stuff if you make time for them to create. Mm-hmm. It actually helps them practice more, and it actually will accelerate your program more. Yeah, definitely. And that's that's kind of what I was getting at a little bit with the kind of blasphemy comment when, when people want to do it but not do it the right way. That's kind of what I was meaning of, I heard this this quote that I have on the website is you can't teach what you don't know. And that, that's, that's where I was frustrated with that some of these teachers are wanting to put the grease and all of these, you know, like musical uh, medleys or, you know, whatever. You know, sometimes they'll do like jazzy songs. But they've never played a swing bowing. They have no idea. They have no idea how to do it, and and I understand why they're sitting there and they're they're going like, these kids don't care about Beethoven anymore. I got to do something to hook them, you know. And and this is what I can think of to play a a, a Nirvana medley, a you know a, a video game music medley, you know, to try to get them doing some sort of uh, contemporary songs. But you don't know how to do that. But you know, you don't know how to do that bowling as a teacher. You can't you know. explain it to them. You just role model it. Right, say, hey, but they can't role sound. model it. You know, like because yeah, you true. know that that's yeah. You know. it, it it starts with it starts now teaching the kids now, and then later on they'll be able to continue it. Mm-hmm. It's hard for a teacher to come out of their comfort zone mm-hmm. and try to learn a new style. I've been doing these uh, ja- or, um, Irish jam mm-hmm. sessions mm-hmm. and uh, bluegrass blues <laughs> jams. I'm terrible. <laughs> I'm horrible. You know, and there's all these people, you know, like 80 years old. <laughs> it's like, how do you do that? Mm-hmm. Um, and then the Irish music is like, you know, I, I went um, to one of the Irish jams. and, and Was it Scott's Jam, McLoon? No, no, no that's um, whiskey, that's whiskey before, yeah, just before breakfast. That's yeah. not... This is Irish yeah. music. Um, and so anyway, I brought some music with me because I'm new at this. And I wanted, and, I, and when you get old, you'll learn that you, you don't memorize as well. Mm-hmm. And so anyway, you know, I'm just new at it. I'm trying to play some songs. So I had some music with me. And I played a song and everything. And everybody joined in. Hey, yay, it's a success. Mm-hmm. So I get up to leave. And this man comes up. He goes, man, we don't bring the dots. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like. So I got reprimanded for bringing the dots um, to to this gig and, and or to this jam session, and so I mean it's hard. Mm-hmm. It's hard to learn a style that you're not mm-hmm. used to, and it's taken me a year to learn about twenty tunes. Mm, you're right. Yeah. 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 But I really enjoy the people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, for the most part, except for the guy that reprimanded me. But. Um, yeah. Screw that guy. Screw that guy. Yeah, but isn't <laughs> um, that funny? Because we're reprimanding on the other side. No, you must. You know, that's what I. That, that's another thing we didn't really talk about is the Suzuki stuff, where you know some of these teachers are not. They they're like, well, I don't like Suzuki because they don't teach them to read. I'm like, every one of your every one of your front row Suzuki kids. Mm-hmm. Don't start that crap with me. You know, the the teacher in you know, high school. I'm like, every one of your kids has been your front row. Started at four years old, and they're Suzuki kids. And they're whooping everybody, you know. Don't don't tell me that Suzuki's crap. You teach them how to read later, way easier than teaching them how to read or teaching them how to play ear later. I, that's my that's my opinion. I think, I think it's everybody way, needs to be ear trained yeah, very early. Yeah, yeah, 
Right, and you you probably had some of that maybe with starting so young. I don't. Did you do Suzuki or was it no, something else? No, I, I started traditional, but um, <laughs> I, I mean I could read music at three, and then also I had perfect pitch. Mm-hmm. So my mom for parties would put me in the other room, you know, and play chords on the piano. And I was three years old. I was like, oh, that's a C E G chord. Mm, yeah. Wow. Yeah. So it was just kind of an innate thing. That's cool. Yeah. <laughs> well, cool. I mean, we could probably go on all night, but uh, um, yeah. Well, Cecily. Uh, Cecily. Cecily. I got it wrong again. Cecily Mahan. Thanks for coming. Oh, you're welcome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, Olathe North and uh, doing doing a lot of great stuff over there. And uh, th- thanks for coming and sharing sharing some words of wisdom. Well, hopefully. Somebody got something out of it. Totally. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure they did. All of us that are that are younger teachers, you know, there's stuff that we get, but there, you know, that's always the reason why I want to do this show is because a lot of our, you know, people who have taught longer than us always have stuff that they have already have already learned from, and we need to listen, you know, because they, so we don't go into the brick wall. Yeah, just around, take you know. it easy. Don't get burned out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Th- yeah. Thanks. That's that's. And, and do something for yourself every once in a while that's mm. not music. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good point, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because we can kind of go music, 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 and that's Take it. Take a bike ride, mm. go, go out and fish, do something that's not anything to do with your job. Yeah, that's, a, that's, that's good. Um, and don't answer your email at home. <laughs> mm. Leave it at school. It'll mm-hmm. wait another day. I like that a lot. Put the phone down. Put the phone down. Enjoy life. Yeah, I like that. Um, that's it. Get out of here. We'll see you guys later.